Welcome to Iris Radio, an informative exploration of cutting-edge technology in the neurocritical care space. And now, here's your host, John Unser. Thank you for being with us today. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Iris. Iris is a cutting-edge company focused on therapeutically treating hemorrhagic stroke and managing TPI in the neurocritical care space. We are here today with Dr. Sumit Videra to talk about the company's flagship product, Airflow. Airflow is the world's first irrigating intracranial drain. Its unique mechanism of action addresses the complications associated with the current methods of managing intracranial fluid by using a dual lumen catheter, intelligent digital pump, and integrated continuous ICP monitoring. So Dr. Videra, thanks for being on the phone with us today. Uh, appreciate your time. I know you're busy right now. Sure. So with that, uh, we wanted to ask you a couple questions. You were the first physician in the United States to utilize the airflow system uh, on a chronic subdural hematoma. We wanted to get a better understanding of why you were interested in utilizing the system. The reason I was very interested in airflow is because the current treatment of subdural, chronic subdural hematomas is somewhat suboptimal. The current system involves us either performing a small burr hole evacuation, meaning we put one or two small incisions on the scalp and a small burr hole through the bone and then drain the fluid, or a larger craniotomy to, to remove all that chronic subdural blood. Some of the difficulties with this procedure are that it can blood can reaccumulate, so you can turn a chronic subdural into an acute subdural. Oftentimes, we see that the brain doesn't re-expand, and because it doesn't re-expand, blood can sometimes get into that area, causing you know, an acute subdural to form. And also, uh, once the subdural is evacuated, the CAT scan always shows there's some acute component, some chronic component, and we really don't have any options available on how to treat that post-operative findings that we often see. With the Iroflow, the thing that I found that I really thought uh, was novel and, and exciting to me was that with the irrigating aspect of it, it allows you to continue to treat that subdural in the post-operative period. The first thing that came to mind when you think about irrigating fluid into the brain is obviously that it's a fixed space and the idea of draining fluid into the brain is something that we don't generally think about or, or consider doing in a, for long periods of time. With that being said, we've now done about seven subdural, chronic subdural hematomas. And one of the things that has really changed my mindset is thinking about the actual net output of the system rather than thinking about it from a irrigating standpoint. I now think about it as how much additional fluid can I get out? And why do you think that's important, the additional fluid that you're getting out? We just finished our seventh chronic subdural, and this one really exemplified what that means to me. So this was a patient with a large subdural. We did a small uh, mini craniotomy to remove the subdural component, and uh, the brain was significantly uh, depressed. It didn't re-expand. Well, oftentimes we see that, as I mentioned, in older populations. So what we did was we placed the Iroflow catheter, put the bone back on, closed up the skin, what we did was we used a higher rate of uh, irrigation, which was about 100 mLs per hour. What we noticed as well was that, especially in the early post-operative phase, irrigant uh, was coming out as well as a, a significant amount of acute and clotted blood. The um, immediate post-op CT did show that there was some acute and chronic blood like we normally see, 
But within uh, 12 hours, less than 24 hours later, we were able to see that the new CT almost had completely cleared all that acute and chronic blood. During that time, also the brain re-expanded, which then allowed us to drain out that additional blood and give us that time period where blood could potentially reaccumulate in there and instead allowed the brain to re-expand so we could remove the drain. And how does this really differ from the existing form of treatment? Is the existing form of treatment just putting a, a drainage catheter in there and just waiting for it to stop draining? And then does the brain usually re-expand in an appropriate amount of time after that type of, of treatment? The treatment of chronic subdurals is, is varies between surgeons. It really depends on surgeon preference and uh, what the surgeon's comfortable with and what they've you know had good and bad experiences in the past. Some surgeons will place a subdural drain within the cavity. Some surgeons don't do that. Some will actually place one in the subgaleal space and uh, drain fluid that way. So there's lots of different potential treatments of it. But as I said, it's not uh, common and, and not really generally performed that any irrigation is, is placed into that space. The beauty of this system is that because we're irrigating into this space, we can continuously irrigate the brain, remove that additional fluid, really keep that subdural space clear so to allow the brain to re-expand. Is that a key component, the brain re-expansion for long-term success for these patients? Well, yes and no. Uh, when we when the brain re-expands, it does give us some. It does. It is very encouraging because that space is now not a potential space for acute blood to accumulate within. With that being said, we have seen patients where the brain doesn't fully re-expand, and CSF can get into there over time, and, and slowly it can re-expand over you know a longer period of time. But I think that it is important that during that process, when the brain is depressed that we uh, avoid or we do things like the iroflow to avoid any additional blood getting into that space and creating that acute subdural. The other thing is that uh, in the literature, we know that there's about a 10% rate of uh, uh, transformation of a chronic subdural to acute subdural after surgery. And so I think this, the iroflow really uh, addresses those patients. I think that's really where, where the benefit lies. And do you usually have an idea of when a patient comes in, which, which percentage of those patients are going to go from an a chronic to an acute within that treatment window? Or is it one of those that you just don't know and you kind of get what you get? Uh, it, it is hard to, um, to diagnose or guess which ones are going to have this problem. Oftentimes when you do the surgery, we do know that the ones where the brain remains depressed at the end of the surgery, they're at a higher risk to develop acute subdural versus those who, whose brains re-expand right away. But as I say, the benefit of this is that it continues to irrigate and remove fluid and blood and, and post-operative fluid from the cavity to really avoid this exact problem. And then what else would you like your fellow surgeons to know about the device and your initial experience? Uh, you said you've done seven cases. So what's that learning curve been like? So what I would say was in terms of the learning curve, um, in the very first two to three patients we did, we were very hesitant and anxious about the actual irrigation into the cavity. And so we used a very low rate. What we found was that there was, on the post-op CTs, we would still see there was some acute and chronic blood and that we weren't getting as much net output as we were expecting. Even with that being said, we always had more output from the uh, drain than we were irrigating in. So that did make us feel that we were, this is a, still appropriate and a good option. 
But with that being said, the actual output that we were receiving was not very significant. It took about five to six surgeries before I felt a little more comfortable increasing the irrigation rate. And so we've very slowly uh, increased that rate from approximately 20 to 30 mLs per hour up to this last surgery where we did 100 mLs per hour. I think 100 mLs is probably a good cutoff in terms of the initial irrigation amount. What we found with this last patient was that we were able to get a very high net output of fluid from the device. And especially in the first 6 to 12 hours, we saw that it was mainly bloody, mostly the type of the, the post-op blood and acute and chronic blood that we see in the on the CTs. And then by the next morning, we were seeing that the irrigation was mainly clear coming out of the of the drain. The next CT, the morning after surgery, showed that not only had the brain re-expanded, but uh, that chronic subdural had almost completely resolved, and there was no acute blood in there. For that reason, we were able to remove the drain early in the morning, observe the patient throughout the day, and then the patient was able to be discharged later in the day without any concerns for reaccumulation or anything like that. Yeah, I'm assuming that's not a typical length of stay for these types of patients in your experience. Do they tend to stay a little bit longer? In my experience and what I've seen uh, from others is that, yes, they, they can sometimes spend a longer time. On average, I think the, the uh, length of stay tends to be between one and three days. The things that can hold them back are post-op CT if it shows there's you know some significant amount of blood or you know a moderate amount enough that didn't really fully evacuate or if the brain didn't re-expand and and the patient doesn't get fully back to normal and also in this population they're also older and oftentimes you you have to be more careful with them keeping them in the ICU and monitor monitoring them closely so and, i think any, this also helps with the length of stay as well anything else you want kind of people to know about the device your experience I would say the biggest thing that I've found was that the initial uh, mental block of of this idea of actually irrigating into the subdural space and into this cavity at first was something of a of a mental hurdle that I had to go you know get past. Once I did see the value of doing that, and especially once I realized that the net output was so much higher than the input, and that we were actually draining blood and postoperative fluid it did really convince me more and more that that this is a really good option for this population of patients. Well, Dr. Verdera, I just want to thank you for taking the time to share your reasoning for adopting Aeroflow and your experience to date. We're looking forward to continuing this dialogue and sharing your experience in further podcasts. As you treat more and publish more, we certainly want to bring you back on to discuss those cases so that we can all learn from your experience. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for inviting me here to talk about this today. Uh, thank you again. Have a, have a great day. You've been listening to Eris Radio. Make sure you visit our website at eris.com where you can subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media. Thanks for listening.